Finally, after 40 races, Joey Logano is back in victory lane. It comes at Darlington, one of NASCAR's crowned jewel tracks. This is your most important stop of the day. It's the money stop with Cole Cusimano. I'm Steven Cusimano. And Cole, what a race this was, man. Uh, it's, it's amazing because coming into this race, I was talking about how the, the Darlington race at this point last year in the spring was one of the more boring Darlington races that we had seen in a few years. And this was not just one of the best Darlington races that I have ever seen, but it was one of the best races, period, that we've seen in like the last five or 10 years. It was phenomenal. A bump and run on William Byron with two laps to go, and Joey Logano comes out victorious. And it really, it kind of took a move like that to get Joey Logano back into victory lane. But Cole, this was just an awesome race, and I'm intrigued to hear what you have to say about it. Absolutely phenomenal. I think going back the last like decade, you always had those driver's tracks, quote unquote, like Atlanta, Fontana, and Darlington, and Dover that, you know, it's tough on the drivers, but it's not really that compelling of an on-track product for, you know, your average generic race fan. But this, oh my God, let me tell you, I thought that this was everything that Dover was the week before and more with the pageantry, it just added a whole other level of like competitiveness. The strategy calls throughout the race were really fun to watch. So many wrecks. Um, I think there were 23 cars left there at the end when it was all said and done. And yeah, uh, that's a finish that will go down in history between Logano and, and William Byron. And I want to get your opinion on that instant real quick, because I thought that it was, people have problems with it and they're going to have problems with Joey Logano, but I thought it was kind of justified. And my only issue was that I think Logano by far and away had the fastest car at the end of that run. He could have clear, easily gotten by Byron um, without, you know, wrecking him into the wall. But he wanted to send a message, and I don't know. I, I, I'm 50-50. I get why he did it. The, the move that Byron pulled 25 to go, where he, he kind of shoved him up into the wall coming off turn two um, down the back stretch, um, it was evident. And I, think it was, I don't think it was, like, blatantly intentional to where he wanted to wreck Logano, but I think it was definitely like he knew he was there, and he was forcing the issue and letting him know that, you know, um, I'm taking this position. So um, I get why Logano did it. I think he could have went about it a different way. But it's Joey Logano. And I think that people should love him for what he is, hate him for what he is, whatever. And it was a, an awesome race, made for a great finish. I mean, I, I think that was well said. I think that had somebody else make this move, like if the roles were completely reversed, if William Byron had made this exact same move on Joey Logano, I don't think people were talking about it as a very dirty move, but just because of the fact that it was – Joey Logano doing that, and he's already got a bad rap for moving guys out of the way, and that being the way that he wins a lot of these races, I think that you see that that was why the backlash was what it was in this particular race. But to be honest with you, I mean, if you're a William Byron fan, of course you're, you're pissed off. You're not happy with the way that race ended because you feel like he should have won. But really, this is what racing is all about. It's the bump and run. Like It's not like he flat-out wrecked him. And granted, William Byron could not – finished the race, didn't even end up with a top 10, wasn't able to keep the car straight and out of the wall. So um, he technically did wreck him in that sense, but yeah. it wasn't like he spun him out and made a whole ordeal out of it. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I had no problem with the move. Um, and, and even if there wasn't uh, a move like you talked about with, with Byron shoving him into the wall and this being retaliation for it, if that didn't even happen, I still would have no problem with it because he just, it was a bump and run. Simple as that. I mean, and, and that's what, what's one of the great things about NASCAR. And, and I have no problem with, with the move that Joey made. And again, like, even if uh, Joey had won a couple weeks ago, I would still have no problem with it. Um, it's just, it, it's good racing, in my opinion. And 
Again, if you're a William Byron fan, you're not going to be happy. But at the end of the day, 40 races without uh, a win over a full season combined, um, you're going to have to do some desperate things. And that's what Joey Logano did. And again, like you said, Cole, you feel a little bit better about it with the fact that he did have a good car and maybe the best car at the end. Um, so me personally, I was okay with it. I, I do want to say one more thing on Darlington. I think that it was a big win for Joey as well. You know, you saw the emotion in victory lane. He was so thrilled to be running this car that he drove um, the same paint scheme when he was coming up through the ranks. And um, I think that having that throwback weekend in addition to the Southern 500 is really amazing because it feels like another crown jewel event in a way like the, there's so much pageantry that goes into it and so much thought that goes into these paint schemes to honor the history and those who, who paved the way for the sport. And it's just amazing. They had the whole, the mother's day aspect as well. It was just a, an incredible race. I loved it. And I got to say going into this week, I said that Kyle Busch's car was my favorite throwback and it was a really awesome looking one. It was very old school, but it embodied uh, the weekend very well, but man, seeing that red and blue flame 24 actually on track on TV I had chills like every time they would show it on, on the telecast just because it just felt so nostalgic and it just popped off the screen. It was amazing. I loved it. And as I texted you when, uh, when Byron lost the race, it, it just would, I mean, I, I'm totally on board with you. That car looked amazing on track. It just would have been too good to be true if William Byron would have resurrected that paint scheme and went to victory lane. So uh, unfortunate for, for the 2014 that it worked out that way, but it was a really fun race, a lot of fun paint schemes. I, I mean, similar to the way that you really liked the way that 24 looked, and I did too, I really love that 48 car, and it was a throwback. And I just think that this particular paint scheme, that Ally 48 this week, looked amazing um, with the Valvoline colors. And I, that's one of my favorite paint schemes of all time, the way that looked on track. I thought, I thought it looked so cool. And, again, you can say that about probably five or ten other paint schemes, but it was mayhem. There were fewer cars running at the end of this Darlington race than there were at the end of the Talladega race. If that puts in perspective how crazy a race this was. But let's look at the top 10. A couple of other very surprising names here. And I will be honest, I mentioned Tyler Reddick thinking he would win this race along with my winner pick, Kyle Busch. And Tyler Reddick came pretty close to it. He finished second. We mentioned he had a couple bad races in a row, but he was well on his way back. And this would be a good chance for him to uh, – you know, insert himself back into that conversation of potential championship favorites, even though he hasn't won a race yet. I really thought he had a good chance at it, and, and he ended up finishing second. And how about Justin Haley? Let's let's just stop and talk about him for a second, because back-to-back -back weeks, Haley has been out there, uh, you know, contending to lead laps, and he finishes third in this race. Um, I got to be honest, like, we, we had talked about Justin Haley the first few weeks of the season, Cole, really like the first six or seven weeks as a guy who – was a good fantasy pick. He was just a guy who was finishing above where he was starting. He was putting good runs together. But I did not think at this point in the year that he would be putting these types of runs together and performing this well, a guy that is finishing in the top five. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, he led, uh, I think, 19 laps at Dover the week before, finished top three at Darlington. And those are two really, really hard tracks to navigate. Granted, there was quite a bit of mayhem, especially at Darlington, but I think it's right place, right time, keeping the nose clean. And, and you'll, if you have a shot when you're running at the end, you have a chance to get a quality finish. And he's displayed that prominently in these past two weeks, but expanded upon that the entire season. Three race top 15 streak. He has top 15s and half his starts this season with positive place differential in all but four races. So I would say Justin Haley is exceeding expectations. And it's, it's pretty crazy to see. I mean, I didn't expect this. I think colleague, like, 
the equipment's good enough to contend for top 15s and top 10s, but to get a top five, that's pretty impressive. And it's very cool to see. And also real quick on, on Tyler Reddick, I thought he was dead in the water. And I think it was the first stage he had to overcome two speeding penalties. I think he had some problems um, under the hood as well. So to come back and charge through the field and finish second was mind boggling. And, you know, had that, that bump and run gone and missed for Logano and it, it almost did by inches with uh, Byron turning down. That could have been Tyler Reddick's first win of the season. So he's, he's waiting in the wings. He's, he's going to get there at some point. We keep saying it, but that was a really, really great rebound for that entire eight team. Yeah, that would have been poetic justice if, if the two of them would have, would have crashed on the second to last or the last lap and Tyler Reddick would have won because, of course, that's how he got taken out at the Bristol Dirt Race. Um, but that would have been great for Tyler Reddick. But uh, you got to love to see it for some of the young drivers in this sport but also some of the veterans. Uh, Kevin Harvick continues his streak of top fives and top tens at Darlington. He finished fourth. Chase Elliott, after going to the backup car and qualifying, ended up with a top five finish. Really, really impressive run for that team after they won the previous week. And again, Chase Elliott, we, we think that the steamroll is coming for, for this nine team. Again, they were pay, placing top 10 every week. They win the week before this placed in top five on a day where, again, they went to a backup car and had to fight through a lot of adversity. So good good looks for that team who also had a, a really sharp paint scheme on the track. Christopher Bell, another guy who I think you could argue is waiting in the wings a little bit more under the radar than a guy in the likes of Tyler Reddick and Justin Haley. But Christopher Bell is going to win a race very soon here, I think. He finished sixth. And then how about Michael McDowell placing seventh place and then Ricky Stenhouse Jr. eighth? And then another one of the sleepers that we liked a lot in this race, we mentioned Austin Dillon had a really good shot at winning coming into this week. Another top 10 as he continues his very silent uh, career best season. And then Daniel Suarez, another good run at Darlington. And, and this was just such an interesting top 10, Cole, in so many different ways because there's so many storylines from top to bottom with Joey Logano breaking that top, uh, that, that 40 race winless streak all the way down to the bottom. Daniel Suarez continuing a career season for him. So many things to look for. Uh, it was a great race all throughout and great storylines coming out of it. Also want to touch on the Xfinity race because your pick to win, Justin Allgaier, did come out with his first win of the 2022 season, and he is now in the playoffs. And, and we'll see if Justin Allgaier can maybe polish off a long overdue championship run this year. Yeah, it was a great weekend overall. I think the, even the Xfinity race was one of the best we've seen in a long, long time at Darlington. And, and uh, yes, Allgaier, long overdue. His last win came in this race one year ago at Darlington. And uh, the team's looked good all year. They've had some bad breaks, but JRM as a whole has looked really, really stout these last, pretty much last month. We only have one more driver that's uh, winless in that stable, and that's Sam Mayer. He's looked pretty good this season, running up front on a more frequent basis. So it'll be interesting to see if he can join his, uh, his buddy Ty Gibbs in the winner's circle at some point. Yeah, we're at that point where, I mean, that team collectively has just looked so good. And maybe, I don't want to say a step back for college racing in the Xfinity series, but they were the, clearly the class of the field last year. And this year, it, it is overwhelmingly looking like junior motorsports. And so I, we're at the point in the year where I would be surprised if the winner of that cup this year in the Xfinity series is not a junior motorsports Chevy. But moving on to Kansas, which is the track we go to this week, qualifying will take place at 535 Eastern time. And last year at Kansas in the spring, Kyle Busch won after Kyle Larson was the dominant car. They split the two stages. Larson led a race high 132 laps. And it was a who's who of really a lot of veteran drivers. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski ended up third. And then Matt Benedetto ended up fourth. Chase Elliott fifth. Martin Truex Jr., Tyler Reddick, 
Chris Buescher, and William Byron, with Austin Dillon rounded out the top 10. Um, and then the fall, it was the Kyle Larson show again as he won and led another race-high 130 laps. Him and William Byron split the stage wins, and this was really a, a Hendrick-dominated race in the fall. Again, Larson with the win, Chase Elliott second, Kevin Harvick third, and uh, a lot of similar drivers, William Byron with another top 10, as well as Austin Dillon, who finished 10th as well. So um, out of the drivers who finished top 10 in both races, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, Kevin Harvick, and Austin Dillon with top 10s in both races, and also both Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick had top fives in both races. So how do we see this one playing out this year, Cole? Because again, this is a track in, in recent years that has been a little bit more on the predictable side, but I've just been so impressed with the racing we've seen on intermediate tracks and mile and a half tracks this year. And I'm excited to see how that translates to Kansas this week. I am too. And I think last year was definitely a step up in terms of on track uh, product for Kansas. And I think it should follow this year, this new next gen car, just given how you, you mentioned the intermediate tracks, mile and a half have looked really, really competitive this year. I think clean air is going to be a premium as it has been all season with this new car. And I think it's going to, it should be another, Gibbs versus Hendrick Day that has been the last few weeks. Yeah, why don't we get in, into the odds per DraftKings pre-qualifying? We have a four-way tie for the best odds, plus 700 for Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, and Chase Elliott. And then you have William Byron rounding up the top five at plus 1,000. So they're expecting a very even race, as alluded to by Hendrick and Gibbs. And I think that's what we should expect to see. In my opinion, if I'm going into this race of betting man, I think that Chase Elliott's going to be the favorite for the win. Five race top 10 streak in the Cup Series this year, which is tied for the longest streak with Kyle Busch, who had it snap at Darlington this past weekend. Leads the series in top 10s with nine, so that means he's only finished outside of there in three races. And he was one of two drivers, again, to place top five in both Kansas races last year, including runner-up in the most recent event. I think at this point in time, 12 weeks into the season, quarter of the way through, that it would be ignorant to say that Chase Elliott's not the favorite for the championship. And I know it's early, we're a quarter of the way through, but just the season he's putting together, and so quietly, I might add, is, is just really impressive. But I think he's the favorite going into Kansas, by far for me. Plus 700, tied for the best odds. And I'm sure he's going to be among the top five in DFS pricing for DraftKings, which they're not released yet, but we'll have that available to you on social media. Also on Kansas, he has the best top 10 rate of all active drivers there, uh, with 8 and 12 starts, so a 66.7% top 10 rate. Since fall 2018 when he won there, he has five additional top six finishes with two runner-ups and 139 laps led in that time and 349 total with a 9.3 average, which is second best among active drivers at Kansas. So Chase Elliott's going to be my favorite for the win. I think you should be a lock for your lineups. You should put some money on him for the win. We'll also move on here to Kyle Larson, his teammate, who had a really rough outing at Darlington, had an engine issue early in the race, but had a really good car. I don't think he had the best car even when he was running, but nonetheless, another really rough outing for him. Led most laps in both Kansas races last year, 262 combined, won two stages, won the fall race, and frustration has to be mounting for that five team with only one win, four DNFs and 12 starts, and only having two all of last season in terms of DNF. So the good news for Larson, though, he didn't start winning multiple races until 15 into the last season. So that was where he went in his three-race win streak, or I guess you could say four, including the all-star race. But um, if there's one thing to be concerned with, though, it's that he only has 167 laps led at this point in time. So 
not a whole lot of time spent out front, not a whole lot of stage points. And I think that's a good determining factor of how a driver is doing collectively throughout the season. But as far as Kansas is concerned, fairly mixed results with 426 laps led, six top tens and a 15.5 average in 14 starts. Regardless, he's a threat to win anywhere he goes. And again, an angry Larson should mean a more inspired racer as we get into these deep summer months. Yeah, to be honest with you, Cole, I feel like it's going to be the same story with Kyle Larson all season. Like, he's not going to be as dominant as he was last year, and that's going to rub some people the wrong way in terms of thinking he's the favorite for the championship. But I really just feel like this is going to be it for Kyle Larson. He's going to win a couple of races here and there. Um, He's going to lead some laps here and there. He's not going to be the dominant car this year, though, um, because clearly there have been some drivers who have adjusted better and unloaded better with this next-gen car. But I think that when the going gets tough and we get to the playoffs and we get to the championship four, I think Kyle Larson is going to be there. And I think that when, when the money is on the line, I, I truly, truly believe that that team is going to be, they're going to rise to the, rise to the top once again. I, I think that they're going to be kind of under the radar with this type of season until we get into the championship four. And then they're really just going to return to the form they were last year. I think that they're just, they've kind of been under the radar, but I think that, it's a team that time and time again, that five team and formerly the 48 team, they, they know how to perform when, the, when it, we get into the fall part of the year in October and November. And I really think that they're going to be there when the season ends, regardless of the fact that they haven't performed up to their standards so far this year. But I, I do th- agree with you that I think the Hendrick cars are going to be the tough ones to beat this week. But again, um, I, I think we can't overlook Joe Gibbs racing. Kyle Busch, again, won the spring race at Kansas last year, won a stage capitalizing on a late race restart take the win. He's had success in 28 starts at Kansas, but overall mixed results with a very low floor, but high stealing potential 13 top tens out of the 28 starts and a 46% top 10 rate, which isn't great for someone like Kyle Busch who usually dominates at every track he goes to. Um, But he's got two wins, including the last spring and one also in 2016 with 404 laps led and a 15.6 average finish. So might have a little bit more optimism in one of his teammates, especially coming off of the, the tough break he had at Darlington this past week. But uh, Kyle Busch is, I would certainly put him in the volatile category this week in Kansas. And then you also look at Joey Logano, a guy that is going to look to capitalize off of the big win this week, carry some momentum into Kansas after breaking the long winless drought, winning reputation at Kansas, but most of his success has come in the fall during the playoffs, uh, not just this year, but also in his career. He just seems to turn it up at, at during uh, the playoffs. But all three of his wins at this track did come in the fall race as a 10.3 average finish compared to 21st in the spring. So a pretty stark difference there. And all in all, like we mentioned with Chase Elliott at Darlington last week, Logano is a go-for-broke type of driver at Kansas with a very high ceiling and low floor potential. So to put him on the same level as Kyle Busch this week, but maybe a bit more uh, on the, the safer side of things, 25 starts. He's got three wins at this track, 10 top 10s, 500 laps led, and a 17.1 average finish overall to support that go for broke theory. Again, uh, over just barely 10 plate average finish in the fall and just beneath a 21st average finish in the spring. So um, there's definitely going to be better options. He's a guy who I think the, the risk in picking Joey Logano this week is a lot higher than the reward. Uh, I think it's going to be a popular pick because he won last week, but at plus 1,200, it's pretty solid value, but I, I just think it, within that price range, there's different guys I'd rather go with, such as William Byron, who I really think is a value at plus 1,000, to be honest with you. And you mentioned that Chase Elliott might be your favorite for the championship at this point. For me, it is definitively William Byron, and I know that might be a hot take just because 
He hasn't contended for championships to this point in his career. While he's been in the playoffs and in the Elite Eight, um, but he, he hasn't gotten to the championship before yet. I really think that what we've seen from William Byron is, is that he's turned the corner this year. And on a weekly basis, I like picking him for the win, regardless of what the track it is. He's proven he can win. And when it comes to value picks, Cole, to kick off this leg of the show, William Byron, even though he's in the top five in odds, I love the value at plus a thousand. I completely agree. And you know, like I think Chase Elliott is my favorite for the championship for a reason. I think he's been the best driver by far, even with the one win. But I think what we saw from William Byron after Darlington with the post-race interview, I think that was the mark of a, a future champion. It reminded me a lot of actually Chase Elliott with his running with Denny Hamlin in Martinsville. It, it felt like that was him going from a boy to a man, uh, you know. And I think having that combatant mentality and just saying that he's not going to take crap from anybody, no matter who they are, former champion or what have you, I think that usually breeds success and it sends a message to the not only Lugano but the entire field that I am legit, I am here to stay, and I'm going to be a contender down the stretch. And I think that's a good a good point you make there. But, you know, we have business to take care of here on, on the uh, – value pick front so we'll jump right into things over there we mentioned austin dillon who was one of five drivers to place top 10 in both kansas races last year scored another top 10 dollars in this past weekend finishing ninth and now has one and a half of his races this season so he's scored six top 10s in 12 races he has five top 10s and 17 starts at kansas with a 16.5 average and with only one dnf he's completed 97 percent of laps run there so very very consistent and solid driver as he is at most, most of the tracks we go to, especially the mile and a half. I would say anywhere 15th or lower, um, he should be a lock for DFS lineups in terms of starting position. But he's a very, very safe pick. Usually safe can win you some money, but I think you got to gamble most of the time for, for DFS. And if you're looking for somebody to gamble on, I would say look no further than Bubba Wallace. Look the best he has all season at a non-Super Speedway before being taken out in that Toyota-filled wreck at Darlington late in the race. And that top 10 car, I would say, for a majority of the day, even with the the, uh, the wreck, he, the morale seemed high. He scored his best cup finish at Kansas the last time out and finished 14th. So I think there will be, of course, better and safer options than Bubba Wallace for Kansas. But like I said, sometimes you got to go big or go home, gamble on a, a driver that typically doesn't run very well on a weekly basis. And, you know, I think you can look at Bubba Wallace as, as somebody to maybe have a little bit of confidence in going into this weekend. That's well said. No one ever made any money by making the safe pick. You got to go out on a limb sometimes and and make some some risky decisions, and, and that's that's part of what's what's going to win you some money. But to breeze over some drivers that we already mentioned uh, with their strong finishes in the last race at Darlington, a couple guys that finished in the top five, including Tyler Reddick, borderline value pick, given that he's got moderate weekly DFS pricing, um, but good success uh, in a lot of the races this year. But Championship caliber rebound at Darlington, the runner-up finish. And it's not even, even including the fact that he's, you know, been had some bad trouble on weeks where he's had the best car, like the two weeks you picked him for the win at, at both California and at Bristol Dirt. So Tyler Reddick is just having such a, a weird year, I guess you could say. But he's also got two top tens in Kansas in the Cup Series, including one the last spring, and two runner-ups there in the Xfinity Series. And his 15.2 average finish there in five starts should signify a pretty consistent pick. Safe is always good, but like you said, Cole, you got to take big chances to win. And to be honest with you, like with those numbers from Tyler Reddick, I really feel like he's going to be a good pick because 
I used this logic last week when I was talking about um, some guys who placed well at Darlington last year, and, and that was before they had adjusted well to the new next-gen car. And I feel the same way about Tyler Reddick. Like, if he's got a 15-place average finish uh, at Kansas in the first five races at his cup career, and he's looked better this year than any other year in his career, I'm going with the same logic to say that I think he's a lock for the top 10 and probably the top five this week. So I, as long as he can keep that thing straight this week at Kansas, and I think he will, I think Tyler Reddick is a top five car, and, and I like that value pick a lot. But um, finishing that thought, Justin Haley really turned it on from a, a production standpoint. We talked about him being just a steady, solid, reliable contributor on the DFS front and now becoming a, a three-race top 15 streak with the 19 laps led at Dover. Guy who's coming off a top three finish this past week. He has top 15s and half his starts this year and positive place differential in all but four races. So he hasn't finished lower than seventh in four Xfinity starts at Kansas. So I think based on, I don't know what uh, Justin is valued at this week, Justin Haley, but if he is anywhere um, within like that, that later tier of drivers, I, I love Justin Haley this week. And finally, Michael McDowell finished in the top 10 this past week at a track that you don't expect Michael McDowell to finish in the top 10 at. So the 2021 Daytona 500 winner is heating up three top tens in his last four races, which is something that never thought we would expect to, to be saying about Michael McDowell, but finished seventh at Darlington, which matched his best finish of the season this year coming at Daytona. And then he matched his career best finish of 13th at Kansas in the spring of last year and finished 16th in the fall. So um, averaging just about a top 15 finish at this Kansas track. And you can feel comfortable picking him for DFS if he qualifies lower in the pack. I wouldn't uh, feel confident about picking Michael McDowell in a DFS lineup unless he's 20th or lower. Right. Um, I would say of these drivers, typically you have Justin Haley and Bubba Wallace in the same price range, which is around like the 5,000s or 6,000s on DraftKings. And I think those are two guys I would feel comfortable putting in my lineups if you want to go top heavy. And I think obviously a bit more confidence in Haley from the consistency standpoint, but Bubba Wallace has better equipment, obviously. So it's, it's pros and cons. You could probably throw in both there if you want to. And as far as Michael McDowell is concerned, he's usually in the $5,500 range. So he'll be a, a really, really good value for DFS, but it's obviously going to be a risk if he's starting anywhere, you know, around the top 15 or 20th. If he's starting lower than 20th, I would say maybe some more optimism in picking him for DFS, but Moving on to other guys you can keep an eye on. There are only three drivers riding a five-race top 10 streak at Kansas. Those drivers are William Byron, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. And three very interesting drivers to tackle here. I'll start with Kevin Harvick. Um, he is the most successful of these three drivers at Kansas. He's looked very strong as of late. Maybe not like a race-winning car, but adding some historic stretches. And he's run, been running very consistently. After extending his top 10 streak to eight races at Dover, he tacked on a 13th consecutive one at Darlington. So that's a decade's worth of top 10s between both tracks. Pretty impressive for two of the most challenging tracks on the circuit. He has the most wins at Kansas with three, most top 10s with 19, most laps led with 949, and the best average of 8.9 in 32 starts. So Kevin Harvick is seemingly always money in the bank at Kansas. Running a three-race top 10 streak this season after finishing fourth at Darlington, I would say Mr. Kevin Harvick is heating up and uh, definitely can feel more confident throwing him in your lineups from here on out. Also want to get to Martin Truex Jr. Coming off another rough outing after leading laps and placing outside the top 10 in back-to-back -back weeks. Had a car capable of winning, um, just got cleaned out in that late race wreck that was of his doing, actually. He ran over a patch, got loose, and cleaned out. 23-11, Denny Hamlin himself. It was just a really, really bad incident overall. 
But in 27 starts at Kansas, Truex has two wins, which he swept in 2017, 14 top 10s, 803 laps led, which is second best, and a 12.7 average. So another very consistent driver. My only word of advice when um, picking Truex for your lineups or for the race win, I feel like if he doesn't unload with a fast car, he's going to be behind the eight ball and he will have a sub top 15 day. We've seen this numerous occasions at tracks where he's had success at through his career, like Martinsville, where he placed like lower than 20th. And I just think this should be a good week for Truex. It's just like Jekyll and Hyde with him the entire season. Yeah, he's been a very, and not just a very difficult driver to read, but I would say maybe the most difficult driver to read because he's he's placing top 10 consistently a couple of weeks, and then he's you know running the trouble consecutive weeks. He's just been a guy that, at this point, I'm just not comfortable betting on. He may very well be a good pick um, going out to any of these tracks, but I'm just, he's been so difficult to read this year. So I don't know what to think of Martin Truex Jr., like you said, Cole, but William Byron, uh, we talked about him before, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but he's obviously the championship favorite. Unbelievable championship composure and that great mentality after the Logano dust-up. And, and Cole, I, I, I loved what you had to say about it being a similar situation to when we saw Chase Elliott growing of age, I guess you could say, with that incident with Denny Hamlin. Um, but William Byron this year, 544 laps led, which is 174 more than the next best driver in the sport. I think he's, in my opinion, clearly the championship favorite. And again, that could be a, a difficult pill to swallow for some people because he hasn't been a championship contender in the past. But I think that you've seen William Byron turn it on at that time of year, the past couple of seasons. And it means good things because he has the experience in both succeeding and failing at that time of year to where I feel really comfortable with him, not just in terms of the full season, but also this particular week. As far as Kansas is concerned, he has led and finished top 10 in five out of eight races there and 92 laps led, plus a stage win there last year. So to be honest, I feel very good about William Byron in both the short and long term. I think he can win any week, including this week. uh, And and he's my favorite for the championship. But one of the big surprises, Cole, I'm looking at the uh, odds this week is, is Denny Hamlin. I mean, he just has had such a bad year. And, and I, I liked his comment this week that he thinks he's the best bargain, or I can't remember exactly what the comment was, but he thinks he is the uh, best bargain of any uh, 22nd place team at this point in the year uh, in NASCAR history or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but um, Denny Hamlin, he has looked better in le- recent weeks, but still doesn't have the results to back it up. He said, uh, like you said, they were the fastest 22nd place team in the sports history. That's what the quote was that you put on the outline. And that could be the case, but that doesn't help you in DFS. So look for them to have a top 10 day at Kansas. His stats are not the flashiest here, but he has three wins and finished fifth in the most recent race there in the fall. 10 top 10s and 349 laps led. Nothing special, but he could be worth putting in DFS lineups depending on where he starts. Another guy where, you know, if if he's in the top five, we're not going to pick him. But if he's starting somewhere in like the top 15 or, or below, I might look at Denny Hamlin and, uh, if he's anywhere inside the top 10, it could be best to stay away. But Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, and Kyle Busch, in terms of the Gibbs stable, in my opinion, are all better options in DFS and a better bet for the win. I just I don't know how, with the season Denny Hamlin has had, how he could be valued at plus 700 as a co-favorite to win this race. It just kind of boggles my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that really either. Um, I think there's ways to break this down for both Hendrick and Gibbs because we do think they're going to be the, the cream of the crop this weekend. And before I break that down, I'm going to go on to Christopher Bell here. We mentioned it. He's been rock solid so far these past few weeks. Top 10 car 
riding back-to-back top tens with a six on the season, so half the starts, and 121 laps led. And while not among the favorites, I think Bell could be a strong sleeper for the win, given his recent productivity and the fact he's won at Kansas in the Xfinity Series. For me personally, I'm considering Bell a lock for all DFS lineups and for a top 10 with top five and winning potential. Could be worth putting some money on as a race winner bet a little bit there at plus 2,000, but I would say, again, a lock for most all DFS lineups, depending on where he starts. And as far as breaking it down between who you can pick for DFS and for betting at Kansas between these two teams, I would say that William Byron and Chase Elliott are my top two for Hendrick. Just given their success as a whole through 12 races this season, I think that Kyle Larson obviously is going to have the speed, but the results are not there to back it up through 12 races. Alex Bowman, kind of like Martin Truex Jr., has been like a Jekyll and Hyde in a way. He's been consistent, but I just feel like there's certain weeks where if he's off when they unload off the truck, then he's going to be off the entire weekend. So a bit of a risk there. As far as Gibbs is concerned, I have a lot of confidence in Christopher Bell, maybe even more so over like his other three veteran teammates. And that's saying a lot. I would say Christopher Bell and Kyle Busch are my top two for the Gibbs stable. You know what? I'll even say I like Denny Hamlin over Truex just because they have looked better in recent weeks. They've looked quicker. I think, you know, they, like Kyle Larson, they know the results haven't been there at all. Um, they have the win, but they want to win more. They want to prove that they're still a competitive team. And I think that could very well start with a top 10 or a top five in Kansas. I think he'd be good for a top 10. I don't think he'd be the best for DFS lineups, but I'm going to say Christopher Bell and Kyle Busch for the Gibbs, Gibbs table. Yeah, honestly, like, I think Christopher Bell is going to be our next surprise winner. And it's tough to call him a surprise winner, but he is still, you know, being valued by Vegas as a fringe top 15 in the odds kind of guy. But I just see the runs he's putting together. And I feel like a win is coming and it's going to come in a time where we don't really expect it. So I, I like Christopher Bell this week, but what about some stock high and stock low kind of guys, people to stay away from? And Cole, I got to give you credit because you told us two weeks in a row to stay away from Ryan Blaney, who pulled off the truck this year as one of the hottest drivers in the sport. And he has called off significantly. Two weeks in a row, you had him on our stay away list as one of the, the cold drivers that you were not buying the hype on. And he has finished 26th and 17th respectively. So um, definitely more confidence in him this week at Kansas compared to Dover and Darlington. But most of his six top tens came early in his cup career at this track. And in his last six starts, uh, Blaney has only got one top 10 at Kansas. He did have 171 laps there last year and is con- usually a contender uh, that gets taken out. But don't stay away from Blaney completely like you had mentioned the last two weeks, Cole. But definitely proceed with caution um, like you had mentioned. And you were on the money with it uh, the last couple of weeks. But definitely a guy that it, you, you're going to pick him this week, but you're going to consider it a little bit of a risk based on his recent success. But um, another guy, Cole, that, that actually is coming off a pretty good week is Daniel Suarez. Been a little bit of a, a nightmare in DFS because a lot of uh, people have been taking the bait and a little hanging fruit and that he has had a good year and he's kind of a fun driver to put in your lineup. But, you know, he's been baited as a top 10 driver. He's had great speed. Only four top 10s to show for it, though, this year. The spin, of course, is that one of those was this past week. But started top 15 in six races this year and placed outside of the top 10 in four of those starts. So really not good in terms of place differential. Coming off the top 10 at Darlington, though, so maybe don't bite the bait on Suarez this week, who's only got one top 10 in 10 starts at Kansas. And I feel like the book is out on Suarez. If he is starting deep in the pack, pick him. And if he's starting in the top 10, don't pick him. I mean, I feel like it's for, for Daniel Suarez, it's pretty much that simple, in my opinion. That's a, a great, great advice for DFS. Um, in reference to Ryan Blaney, 
like he's an interesting one, especially for Kansas, because I feel like he has the best car more often than not when we go to this track. It's just that he get, is so unlucky. He'll get caught up in something. Something will happen on pit road, whatever. So I think if he's starting somewhere the back end of the top 10, he'd be a good bet for DFS. But I think even at that rate, there's just better options that'll be in his price range. He's usually among the top five and uh, around the $10,000, $9,000 price range. So maybe not for DFS. Maybe worth a look at throwing some money on for race winner bet at plus 1400 But again, I just think there's better options out there, especially from a DFS sense. But we'll round out the drivers to keep stay away from with Eric Amarola. Only has 69 laps led and seven top 10s and 20 starts at Kansas with one in the last six races there. So going back to 2019, he has an 18.2 average, which is basically a smaller scale for his career average there, which is 18.9. Usually around the seven, $8,000 range for DFS. And he's usually like a, a consistent like name in that price range. He, like you, There's the preconceived notion that he's going to get you a top 10 or a, a high-end top 15, but that's not going to win you any money in DFS. You can definitely find better drivers. Or uh, in his price range, or even cheaper to gamble on. So, if you want to build top heavy, I recommend going about that instead of picking Eric Amarola in the in the seven thousand eight thousand price range. And then we'll close it out with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who has looked better as of late. He struggled recently at Kansas, placing sixteenth or worse in the last six races. There, his career best finish is eleventh, which he did four times in his career at Kansas. If he starts top fifteen, I say stay away from him, but. Anything lower than 20th, it could be worth gambling on for DFS just because the stats that we've been going through for Dover and Darlington were not in, in Stenhouse's favor. I think he was actually on our hate list for last week, and he had a top 10 day. had a top 10 day or top 5 day at Dover. So he is rolling as of late. I think that momentum is a very real thing, and it should it carry into Kansas, that would be huge. And I think I'd have more confidence in the weeks looking forward. But I think um, – yeah, if he starts lower than 20th or around that 20th place range, maybe you can feel a little bit confident gambling on him for DFS. And that does about seal things up for drivers to maybe stay away from, but also be cautious about picking. That that could possibly pay off. But uh, speaking of things that could pay off, uh, we've been kind of on the money with our big money picks as of recently, Cole. And so let's get into our big money picks this week, which are our favorite prop bets this week, which are usually drivers to finish inside the f- top five or top 10. And you can kind of figure out, based on the way I've been talking this podcast, I'm very high on Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, um, both last week and even more so this week. I feel really good about the both of them, more so Tyler Reddick. So I really like Reddick to finish in the top five, and he is valued at plus 200 to do that, which isn't great, but it's also, you know, it's above even money. So I, I like Tyler Reddick to finish in the top five quite a bit. And then to finish in the top 10, I really like Austin Dillon a lot and valued at the same amount as my last pick, uh, Austin Dillon also at plus 200 to finish in the top 10. Again, he finished in the top 10 at both races at Kansas last year, finished in the top 10 this past week at Darlington. He just looks really good. I am buying all in on Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. Uh, Reddick to be in the top five, Dillon to finish in the top 10 both valued at plus 200, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won the race. I'm saying that for a second straight week, but uh, those are my big money picks. I like that RCR combo you have going on there. Uh, I think that plus 200 for a top five for Tyler Reddick is a great, 
great big money pick, and I think it should pay off. The two I'm looking at right now are William Byron at plus 125 to score a top five. I think he has a really, really strong day. I think he has a a race-winning car, and he could win this this entire race. And then for my other one, I'm going to go with Christopher Bell score a top five at plus 250. I think both are, you know, I think they're pretty close to locks, in my opinion. I think they're both going to have a really strong day. The track they've, they've run very well at. They've been on a roll as of late. And um, I think it's going to be a big day for the young guns in that HMS JGR stable. Well, after those prop bets, Cole, it is time for the fun part, winner picks. Give me your winner and your dark horse, your sleeper for this week. And uh, there's a lot to think about here, but give me your take. For my winner pick, I showed my hands very early in this episode. I think that Chase Elliott steals the show. I think that he wins a stage, maybe splits with the old teammate William Byron. But uh, I think he p- picks up win number two in Kansas and uh, number win number two on the season. I think that team's going to keep rolling for the foreseeable futures in these long summer stretches. For my sleeper, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace. Um, I think that that team, they have looked better in the last few weeks, specifically at Darlington. Like I mentioned, they had a top 10 car. I think morale still high. I think that the Toyota camp as a whole has just been like, on a vengeance fueled journey just because they, they haven't gotten the results or the wins that they should have had through 12 races this season. And I think that Bubba Wallace is going to come away with, with a solid day. I'd say a top 15 day for Bubba Wallace is not out of the question. I like those picks and mine are similar to yours just in that I have showed my cards early on. I feel really good about William Byron. I feel like I, I'd like to pick him every week. He is valued at plus a thousand this week, which is the Fifth best in odds, and I think it's even at that, it is a value. And I think William Byron is going to come out, win this race, put the the racing world on notice once again. And my sleeper, another guy whose praises I've been touting this entire episode, and that is Austin Dillon. He is valued at plus 8,000. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if he won this race. He's just been so consistent, and I think that he is knocking on the door. Could be, if you could even count him as this, I think he could be the next surprise winner as well. Um, But those are my two picks, William Byron and, and Austin Dillon. Um, and again, another honorable mention for, for Tyler Reddick. I'm just, I'm really high on those three guys right now. Yeah, I think um, this should be a really good race for William Byron as well. I, as you can kind of tell, I was kind of mulling between William Byron and Chase Elliott for the win. I think it's going to be one of those two drivers for sure. And I would, my advice to any betters at home is to be, to put money on both those drivers to uh, win and or score a top five finish. Because I think if you bet, bet those, I think the odds are going to be in your favor big time. Well, we are at Kansas this week. It is the Adventelt 400, 267 laps of 400 miles of racing. It is going to take place this Sunday, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time in Kansas. And you're definitely going to want to tune in to Fox Sports 1 to watch it. It's going to be a good one. And again, great stuff here on the Money Stop. We've been really, uh, after a tough start to the year where we were kind of filling out the next-gen car process. This has been a, a very successful couple of weeks for you and I, Cole. We've had a lot of uh, great pred- predictions consecutively at some difficult tracks to predict uh, traditionally. And so um, this has been a, a fun couple of weeks, and I'm excited to see if we continue to remain on our feet with these predictions this week. But uh, it's been great. Hopefully we're winning some people a lot of money, as we have seen um, with some social media interactions over the past couple of weeks. And stay tuned to social media at the underscore money stop for those paint schemes of the week other stats great infographics and everything in between at the underscore money stop on facebook twitter and instagram wherever else you may be listening and thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week